Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone and it is touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. I'm executive producer Brian Griggs in for Brian Berger, who is on vacation this week enjoying some sunshine. But have no fear because I put together a great best of show with some interviews not yet heard on SBR. So you'll want to stay close and stick around. Got a great show headed your way. In segment two coming up next, we'll check out Brian's conversation with Tyrone Brooks. He's the director of baseball operations for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Then in segment three, Brian talks with Sam Amick, who is an NBA writer for SI.com as well as NBAconfidential.com, talking NBA lockout and more. And then in segment four, we'll wrap up with Brian's conversation with former standout QB for the Oregon Ducks and now Pittsburgh Steeler QB, Dennis Dixon. A good conversation about his injury and progress and what he's doing as we gear up for the NFL season. So stick around. Best of coming your way next. A couple other notes. You can download the podcast of this and other SBR shows on our website at sportsbusinessradio.com. Become a fan of us on Facebook and follow SBR on Twitter at SB Radio. Stick around. Tyrone Brooks of the Pittsburgh Pirates coming up next as we kick off this Best of Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Thanks for checking out the Best of SBR. We're back with more right after this. It's the age of new media and citizen journalism. Everyone with a smartphone and a flip cam is a reporter and everything is on the record. I'm Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, and I team with former Nike executive Lee Weinstein to form media training company Everything is on the Record. With a combined 40 years of experience dealing with the media and helping our clients craft authentic messages, we'll help you navigate the tricky media landscape that exists today. Everything is on the Record has provided media training to pro and college athletes, coaches and executives, as well as to government leaders and CEOs. We'll teach you how to break through the clutter with your messages and we'll also assist you when you find yourself in crises. It's time for an innovative new approach to media training that best fits the world we live in today. For more information about Everything is on the Record, visit us online at everythingisontherecord.com. Contact us today to learn more about our innovative approach to media training and how we can meet your specific needs. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Let's go to the phone lines right now and bring on Tyrone Brooks, who's the Director of Baseball Operations for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Tyrone, how are you? I'm doing great. So, what a phenomenal first half of the season. 47-43 and 43 for the Pirates. One game out of first place in the NL Central. 
And it's the first time since 1992 that the Pirates have had a winning record at the All-Star break. What's the reasons for the turnaround this year? I say a lot, I mean, a lot of it, you really have to look at you know, the, the leadership that Clint Hurdle and what he's done in regards to uh, really believing in our players and then believing in him. And uh, it's, it's been a mixture of, uh, you know, the young players that we, we have that have started a year with us and also some of the guys that have come up in the minor leagues uh, with some even some of the injuries we've had during the course of the year. Uh, it's all kind of been a lot of that, just the staff and everyone there just working together. Uh, to improve things. Obviously, you've got to have players, but I think a lot of sports is mental. And you look at Clint Hurdle, he went to the World Series with the Rockies. He was in the World Series last year as a hitting coach with the Texas Rangers. I think he probably brings some of that winning mentality to the clubhouse, right? Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Uh, with Clint and how he is able to relate with the players and uh, and how they are able to to know that he has their back and, and believes in them uh, really provides a you know a great foundation for for them wanting to to win and uh, and play hard for him. You've got Andrew McCutcheon, who I think is one of the most talented players in the game. Young player, really a five tool player. Talk about him a little bit. You know, Andrew is a, is a player that uh, has a tremendous ability and uh, and really is probably just fully scratching the surface of everything he can potentially be uh, as a player. And, uh, you know, he's uh, a guy that we rely heavily upon with the group of guys that we do have. And uh, he can bring a lot to the table and is exciting. And uh, we're glad to have him. You've got a few guys that have made the all-star team. What does that mean to the clubhouse? It's got to be nice to be recognized for the solid first half of the season that the team has had. Yeah, you know, when initially when it was just hand-in-hand, I think everyone was a little disappointed just because they felt that there was definitely uh, more that should have been included at that time. And uh, obviously now uh, it means a lot that the fact these other guys are being recognized, McCutcheon and, and, and Kevin Correa, for what the contributions they've made in the first half. So uh, I, th- I think everybody sees it. And, you know, it's been a team effort, and some of these guys that are being highlighted have definitely contributed heavily to that. We're joined by Tyrone Brooks. He's the director of baseball operations for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Tyrone, I read that uh, TV ratings locally in Pittsburgh up 33% this season. It's tough because you're in the same city as the Steelers and the Penguins. How do you carve out some some space for yourself to get the attention of the fans there in Pittsburgh? Well, I, I think it's just a case of, uh, you know, this town is, is really a town that's, you know, they love winners and, uh, it's obviously been a, a tough run uh, with the Pirates, but uh, I think all we felt it needed, if we could get, get things going, the fans have, have always been there to support the team. But obviously, with the success we're having so far this year, it's just helping bring that out further. Uh, and this is a you know, very good baseball town in Pittsburgh, so it's uh, a case where uh, it's just building more excitement. They, they've just needed something to, I think, to hopefully just galvanize the city. I have not had the opportunity to come to your ballpark, but I hear it's one of the nicest ballparks in uh, all of Major League Baseball. Uh, I'm sure that's a draw as well for you, right? Oh yeah, it's I mean it's definitely one of the best in, in baseball. You know, it's a beautiful ballpark. Uh, I had actually never been to the ballpark prior to joining the Pirates. Uh, this is my second year with the club, 
and, uh, and I was just amazed by it. Just the first time I looked at it and was inside uh, and saw the facility and uh, being able to see the background with the Roberto Clemente Bridge across the street, uh, right leading up the way of the ballpark. And uh, I mean, it's it's quite a, quite an amazing sight. The Pirates have such a deep history. Uh, you know, you just mentioned Roberto Clemente, Willie Stargell. They had such success earlier on. Just talk about the history of, of the Pirates, and, and do the players on today's team know of that rich tradition that the organization has? You know, that's one of the things that we've tried to do as an organization, uh, especially from our end in uh, running the baseball operations, is making sure the players are are fully aware of, of the history of the, the great players that have come through the organization. We do this at the very beginnings of even in the minor leagues, players are coming along that they grasp an understanding of, of the players that have come before them. Uh, and uh, you know, I think a lot of our guys have, have embraced that. And we still bring back a lot of our former players to the organization uh, to come back and, and assist and, uh, and help even some even during spring training and all that. So they, they get, they get a taste of that and realize uh, the importance of wearing a Pittsburgh Pirates uniform and what that means to them. Tyrone, you're the director of baseball operations. The Pirates are not a team that goes out and signs a bunch of free agents. If you find that you're still in the mix as the season goes later and later, what do you do to try and improve your team and give your team the opportunity to compete during the playoffs? You know, I mean, we're going to definitely sit down as a staff and we'll look at our club and see what ways we can do to, uh, to get us in position to, to win. I mean, we've got uh, a lot of players that are, that are contributing right now, and if it, if it happens to be an opportunity, uh, we'll, we'll definitely be open to that. If there's something there that can help us and maybe uh, put us over the edge. But obviously, with the players that we've got right now, that what they've been doing and contributing, you know, we'll, we'll definitely gladly take that and go from there. Because of the fact that the Pirates don't have a big payroll, how does that change your job? I would imagine that you've really got to have an eye for talent and growing through your farm system again because you're not able to go out and say, hey, we're going to go get Albert Pujols and bring him here to Pittsburgh. Well, yeah, I mean, a big emphasis of our organization is truly you know, developing from within. And if you just look at some of the players that uh, that are on our roster and also some of the guys that we've had to just bring up recently, and they've come in and, and made very solid contributions with Alex Presley and Chase Darno uh, and what they've been doing. So uh, with that, that definitely means if we can hopefully have a, a piece internally that can help us, you know, we definitely will try to do that. And, uh, and then from there, go if there's something we have to look externally. We're joined by Tyrone Brooks, Director of Baseball Operations for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Tyrone, what do you think of the structure of baseball right now with uh, the divisions and their current alignment? I know there's been some talk about realignment. And then also with interleague play. Has interleague play run its course, or is it still exciting for fans to see NL and AL teams compete against each other during the regular season? Well, I, I think it's still very exciting for, for the fans, especially in, and even for us, uh, playing some of the teams we've had a chance to play this year. You know, uh, with us playing Baltimore and, uh, and Boston, uh, for example, just uh, those whole those rivalries that we're able to, especially with the whole Baltimore and, and Pittsburgh connection with uh, the various World Series, 71 and 79, that we've had to play each other in the past. So it's kind of nice to kind of revisit those type things. Uh, and then also with, uh, with Boston, you know, having a, a case for them coming to our place and our fans getting a chance to, 
face them and, and, and eventually end up winning a series there against those guys. So uh, I, th- I think it's still very exciting. And, uh, um, you know, we, you know, every year when the schedule comes out, you never know there's always some interesting matchups that are going to take place during the course of the year. And obviously with us being so close to Cleveland as well, uh, it makes for an interesting rivalry with us playing them uh, for the last couple of years. So. So with alignment, though, would you rather see the divisions uh, aligned by geographics, or do you like how they're aligned right now? Uh, it, it, you know, it's something that's not really you know my my realm, but you know, in regards to uh, you know, our division, it, it's it's still very competitive. And you just look right now with the race that we're in, that uh, you know it's, it's still very challenging. Obviously, whatever MLB thinks is the best. In the best interest of uh, baseball in regards to getting things squared away, you know, we'll definitely you know, look into doing whatever whatever's needed there. Uh, obviously, with our division, you know, it's still very competitive from top to bottom. So, that's Tyrone Brooks, the director of baseball operations for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Pirates forty-seven and forty-three, only one game out of first place in the NL Central. First time since nineteen ninety-two, the team has had a winning record at the All Star break. Tyrone, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. Take care. Best of day. yeah, you too. Best of luck in the second half of the season. Appreciate it. Thank you. That's Tyrone Brooks with the Pittsburgh Pirates. This is the best of SBR. Back with more after this. So many people gonna say that they want you to try to get you thinking they really care, but there's nothing like the warmth of the one who is put in that time, and you know he's gonna be there. Back your border when she knows someone crossed it. Don't let nobody put you down. Who you fear? Take the pain of protecting your name from the rights to the game to the high wire. I'm in love with a girl who knows me better. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Happy to be joined on the phone right now by NBA writer for SI.com and NBAconfidential.com, Sam Amick. Sam, how are you? Doing great, Brian. How are you? Good. Uh, you know, 
I hate the lockout, and uh, you know we don't have basketball to talk about too much. But I wanted to have you on. I, I know you have a great pulse on what's going on in the NBA. And are there any meetings scheduled? Is there any hope in sight for NBA fans? You know, as of yesterday, um, the answer is no. I mean, obviously things could change. I have not uh, made calls today, but as of yesterday, it didn't sound like um, anything was coming down the pike. They, uh, the two sides. There are staff members from both sides, the, the players and the owners, met on Friday, you know, kind of lower-level staff members, but that was more of a house-keeping you know, thing to finalize some of the financial numbers that they're working with, uh, basketball-related income. And we thought that maybe a formal negotiating session would be scheduled at that time, and it didn't happen. And the way it was put to me is just that, you know, it's really not – uh, you know, proposals are not flying back and forth, and uh, and really the players, I think, are trying to you know do some planning to just survive the lockout for a long time, as opposed to figure this thing out right now. The people I've spoken with have said, you know, the players have taken 57% of the BRI to date. The owners want them to take that down to 40%. So that's a wide gap, right? No, it's huge. Yeah, I mean, I think you know the players they had offered in their latest proposal just at the 11th hour uh, back in late June to take it down to 54%. So that was, you know, they saw that as a huge concession, and the owners didn't bat an eye. They, they weren't impressed. So, I mean, that shows you plenty. Um, you know, yeah, a, a wide gap to make up here, you know, drastic differences in vision and priorities, obviously, and things like that. But, you know, all stuff that's pretty tough to figure out if you're not sitting at the, the bargaining table. I mean, we look at the NFL lockout, and the one thing I'll say about theirs is that they met on a consistent basis. There was never really a, a long period of time where they weren't meeting in some fashion. And the fact that there's no urgency, it seems, by the NBA to get together owners and players, that's a pretty scary prospect. It is. I think it's both sides. It's, it's the beginning stages of both sides trying to see how serious the other side is about having this thing go on for quite some time. You know, now all that being said, you know, I I I was given indications that you know Billy Hunter and David Stern have probably had you know informal discussions over the phone. Obviously, nothing of any you know substance enough to to get them uh, in front of each other and to get this thing more formal. But you know, I think the players are looking at the owners and trying to assess uh, kind of the vibe over there and the fact that it it seems like maybe the owners are are willing to. Uh, to let themselves bleed a little bit, and and so they're trying to prove that point. And the players, I think, are spending a lot of their time uh, exploring some of these other options that they think could not only be lucrative but also be leveraged when it comes to negotiations. You know, the overseas stuff and different exhibition opportunities that they might have. Aren't there some owners? I mean, I know I've talked to a few that would rather, if they don't get the right deal, they'd rather not have a season because they figure they'll lose less money by not having a season than they would if they continued under this same model. Yeah, well, I think, you know, you do have owners out there like that, and I think, you know, it, it's, it's worth, you know, reminding folks that, you know, the NHL model is what they're, uh, is kind of the blueprint that the NBA, some of the NBA owners anyway, are going for. And a lot of these guys have NHL ties. You know, they obviously lost, uh, an entire season, I believe, uh, you know, before getting their new deal. And so it's not a model that the fans want to hear about because, um, you know, the, the collateral damage that it caused. But, you know, I think without question that the owners went into this knowing that it might take a while, but knowing that you know, it was an investment worth making 
if they end up losing games. Here's the other dirty little secret, is that there's new owners in the league, whether it's with the Warriors or the Pistons, and David Stern has basically told those new owners that there's going to be a new model in place. They're going to be able to make money. So he's got to now cash that check. You know, essentially, he, he promised them this. He's got to make it good now. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, that's a, a huge promise to make. It's a tough one to make when you can't control, you know, 50% of the equation. Uh, but obviously they, they uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, any form of negotiations. You know, they knew what they were willing to do going in and, and what they were willing to sacrifice. And, you know, unfortunately the fans are going to be the ones paying the price. You know, and, and just a matter of uh, how long does it take and, and how long does do we go here before the players, you know, I don't know how they react. But, you know, at some point they're going to have to realize that, you know, the owners are pretty serious. So, um, you know, we'll see. We're joined by Sam Amick. He's an NBA writer for SI.com and NBAconfidential.com. Sam, one of my biggest frustrations, and the NFL hasn't done this, is you know as soon as the lockout hit, the NBA removed all mention, images, likeness of current players. So you don't see it on NBA TV. You don't see it on NBA.com. You don't see it uh, on any of the team websites. And these teams are now left to market with mascots and team dancers and here's what we're doing in the community i mean my argument is the nba is essentially inviting you to forget about their league because they've removed all the current players yeah no they really are and i mean and you probably would know this better than i would brian but you know from what i've been told the nfl this is far different from the way the nfl handled it far different yeah they didn't take players off their sites you know and, and so you can't really for me anyway you can't tell me it's a matter of Legalities. Uh, I think it's it's obviously a matter of making a strong statement um, that uh, you know the players are not needed. That we will replace you if need be. And, you know, and it is you know to me it's kind of silly. I mean, especially you've got uh, you know coaches and front office guys that are paranoid if they grant any interview these days. You know, guys. Uh, in fact, I even heard that if you even it sounds ridiculous, but if you say the word player, you could be running the risk. <laughs> of getting a fine, yes, it's like the Gestapo. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's it's insane. It's there's a reason if you go look at my archive of recent stories that everything is player related because you know everybody on the other side doesn't want to say a word right now. It's just ludicrous, like I said, because you're inviting people to forget about you. I talk about mind share all the time, and if our minds aren't on the NBA because we can't see the players or anything like that, there's no news with the players, then we're going to go pay attention to something else, and I think it's going to be really tough for the league when they do come back to just say, okay, we're flipping the switch, now come back to us and re-engage. Yeah, I agree, and, and you know, I can't speak for the league and the owner side, but I it certainly seems to me like it's it's a you know equivalent to you're a business owner and uh you know you're you got some property in Times Square and so you're big time but you're you're losing money hand over fist and you know and obviously they're willing to downgrade how high profile they are uh to get a better business model and you know and then maybe try to to build it up in the years to come i mean obviously they are going to take a serious you know image hit PR hit oh sorry about that it's okay um, but, uh, you know, I think it all goes back to their focus and their priority is getting this new model, you know, uh, and everything else be damned. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, I want to talk to you about Yao Ming. He retired in the wee hours this morning. And is he a Hall of Famer in your mind? You know, I'd, I'd, I'd have to crunch the numbers down, but he, he still feels like one. He really does. Uh, you know, and 
the numbers, you know, I know them well enough to know they're they're very very good. He ended up being, I think, more of a player than we thought he would be because I somebody made the point recently that you know we all kind of forget that when he came in, you know, we didn't know if he was going to be a circus actor or you know just a novelty or a legitimate NBA player. And you know, Shaquille O'Neal was mocking him coming in, and you had you know a lot of questions about Yao and who he would be in the NBA. And I mean, he went on to injuries, uh, you know, independent of the injuries, he still put together. You know, quite a few very, very high-level seasons. Uh, obviously, never went to the highest level in the playoffs and whatnot. But uh, he's up there. I mean, he was he was a force to be reckoned with for opposing defenses and just a game changer when it came to you know just game planning for the for the Rockets and everything they did. It's obviously a career cut short. They were still building around him and envisioning you know the Houston as a championship contender with Yao at the the heart of it. So you know, it, it's definitely. Not the career that that you know he or Houston envisioned, but I still you know I think he still definitely left a mark. Just a few minutes left with Sam Amick, NBA writer for SI.com and NBAconfidential.com. Sam, any word out there on anyone with the Blazers? How Brandon Roy's doing? How Greg Oden's doing? I mean, we know they're rehabbing, and uh, I saw I think Brandon Roy played in some charity game up in Seattle uh, this week. Yeah, I had heard that there's you know some decent run. Up in Seattle, I think uh, I ran into Aaron Brooks, and I think he was telling me that. Um, no, unfortunately, I don't have much for you on the, the Blazers front. Nobody's coming to mind. I mean, I that Drew League down in L.A., I felt like I ran into half the league, but um, but no Blazers that I can remember. You know, I think uh, guys are getting their run in. I've, I've been fascinated by the great disparity of routines right now some guys who can't play enough ball and are getting in every street ball game they can find other guys that i've talked to that are you know especially like a guy like aaron brooks he's a free agent and he's afraid of getting hurt so it's uh almost you know kind of a dangerous type of holding pattern so i don't know the blazers specifically but i think guys are just trying to play guys are trying to you know their agents are agents are making their money right now having to flush out overseas opportunities because these players want to know you know what they could be looking at over there so you know it's quiet on the NBA front but there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes well and it looked like uh, David Stern sat down with FIBA yesterday and talked about insurance policies and what it would look like if several players start playing uh, internationally yeah no and, and it's I, that was interesting because you know the, the union's stance has been that they don't anticipate having any um, you know, problems with FIBA. They, they, so to this point, and as recently as this week, I just got back from New York, and uh, you know, they, they did not anticipate any problems from FIBA. And certainly, if, if they did try to get in their way, then I think uh, you know you would have some lawsuits going back and forth. But um, you know, who knows? Maybe Stern can uh, convince FIBA to, to jump on his side. If I were a player, I would head directly to China. I think that's where all the exposure and future opportunities are. Obviously, they're not going to go there for the long term, but if I'm just talking about you know, six months to a year, that's where I'd be going. Yeah, and you do hear that because we all uh, just, you know, for simplistic reasons, always gravitate towards ta- talking about Europe and mentioning Europe when we talk to these players. But I've been quickly corrected a number of times, um, you know, to your point with guys saying, well, it's actually, you know, China is where the cash is. and um, you know, I'd say, listen, I just wrote a piece not that long ago on Antoine Wright, you know, going over there, and he had a, uh, some pretty decent numbers and a lot of good fanfare and a positive experience and made a lot of money. So, you know, and a guy like that who obviously was barely sticking in the league, is if he can 
go make it work over there than a lot of guys probably can. How funny would it be? Yao Ming is the owner of the Shanghai Sharks. He says he's going to be their GM now, too. How funny would it be if he uh, brought a few guys over there to play for him? <laughs> It'd be priceless. It would be priceless. I'm sure Stern would uh, would appreciate that. Yeah. Well, thanks for your time. Uh, Sam Amick, SI.com, MBAconfidential.com. Follow him on Twitter at Sam underscore Amick, A-M-I-C-K. Uh, great follow on Twitter, Sam. I always appreciate our conversations. No problem, Brian. Anytime. Thanks, man. You're listening to the best of sports business radio. More with Brian after this. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Well, I'm dusting off my golf clubs and looking forward to enjoying the gorgeous Oregon summer weather on the golf course. Like many of you, I'm on a budget. I want to tee it up when it's convenient for my schedule, and I enjoy playing golf courses that deliver a private golf club experience. That's why I want to tell you about the Ghost Pass at Pumpkin Ridge Golf Club. The Ghost Pass is Oregon's premier frequent player program that allows you to play the world-renowned Ghost Creek Golf Course for over half off of the regular greens fees. And with your Ghost Pass, you can make your tee times 14 days in advance. The Ghost Pass program sets itself apart by offering a competitive tournament program, which includes one exclusive Ghost Pass event at Witch Hollow. The Ghost Pass is available for only $150, and here's the best part. When you sign up for the Ghost Pass, you'll receive a complimentary round of golf valued at $150. So you literally can't lose when you purchase the Ghost Pass. Go online to PumpkinRidge.com and sign up for the Ghost Pass today. I'll see you on the links. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Happy to go out to the phone lines right now and be joined by a Ducks legend and current Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, Dennis Dixon. Dennis, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. So how's your knee doing? You hurt your knee last September against the Titans. How's rehab coming along? Oh, it's been very good. Um, I've been healthy for a long, long time now. I'm very anxious to get ready with this season. But as of right now, I'm just continuing to work out and just do working on my craft pretty much. How is workouts different because of the lockout? You can't go to the Steelers training facility. You can't work with the trainers. How has that been different? Oh, it's very different because, I mean, around this time, you're very hands-on with the coaches if you have any problems or any issues with the playbook and so forth. But as of right now, you have to rely on yourself and teammates to actually get get around and everything. And Like you said, you can't use any of the facilities. So I'm actually back here on the West Coast right here working out and training and just waiting for the word. Have you been working out with teammates? Or are you just working out with fellow NFL players, maybe some uh, some Duck alums like yourself? Yes, uh, it's, it's very, it varies. Uh, I'll be in and out. I'm, I, I'm usually in Oregon, uh, in Portland, training on, on a Nike campus, working out with former Duck players and stuff like that. But from time to time, I get away, go to the Arizonas, the Miamis, and work with fellow teammates and people around the league. What's your future in Pittsburgh? Are you staying in Pittsburgh, or might we see you uh, somewhere else this upcoming season? <laughs> it's tough to say. I am a restricted free agent as of right now. Uh, once this lockout is over with, um, things will start to start to roll to see what else is out there as far as shopping around. But at the end of the day, the Steelers have my rights, and uh, once we come to an agreement, regardless if it's there or not, I'd be happy to go wherever I'm, wherever I'm needed. 
What's that Steelers locker room like? It's a veteran team, but you know, then I read the James Harrison uh, remarks that he made in a magazine article recently, and you kind of scratch your head and go, what's going on in that locker room? You guys went to the Super Bowl, had a lot of success last year, but how's that locker room doing right now? I think we're great. I think one thing that Mike Tomlin, our head coach, does is keep everybody together, keep everybody in tune as to what's going on and everything. He's a true player's coach, so whatever you have to bring to him, he's all open ears. Um, and that's what makes things go as far as that Steeler Nation. And um, I think there's going to be a lot a lot of good things coming in the near future for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Duck fans are very loud and supportive, but Steelers fans with those towels, the terrible towels, they're really supportive too. How do Ducks fans and Steelers fans compare? Oh, man, both of them are pretty <laughs> much diehard. Um, the city of, of Pittsburgh is pretty much diehard Steelers, Steelers all the way. If not a Steeler, probably a Penguin hockey. Hockey is very good out there as well. But it's mostly Steeler Nation as far as the football team. Um, they're with you 100% just as much as the, the Oregon Ducks is too. So I'm happy to go in the same atmosphere as far as the, the, the crowd and the fan camaraderie amongst their team. Did you ever go catch any Penguins games? I caught one. It was very intense. It was a playoff game, and that was my first time. And I'm looking forward to going to many more because uh, I don't really know all the rules to hockey, but uh, just actually see everybody fly out there fast, and that puck going from side to side is, is very entertaining. So in a perfect world, you'd like to remain in Pittsburgh with the Steelers? Uh, as of right now, yes. I mean, the, 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 the way that things are going as far as this lockout, it's kind of hard to go into a new situation and actually have a legitimate, you know, option to compete for the for a starting job uh for say um that's pretty much my main goal is to actually go out there and compete and uh actually have a shot to be able to play as of right now it'd be hard for me to do that um but you never know but at the same time it's kind of hard to go into a new system and know a playbook in less than a week or so like that so i don't know but we will see we're joined by a former duck standout quarterback current pittsburgh steelers quarterback dennis dixon uh, Dennis, how much are you guys updated during this lockout as far as what's going on and when it might end and, and you know how you can prepare for that? Uh, we are pretty much up, up, updated weekly. Um, every, every team has a player representative, and by that being said, our player representative is Charlie Batch. And uh, he, has, he gives a mass email to almost everybody on the team to inform them as to what's going on and what to expect uh, in the near future and everything. And um, it's great to hear that as opposed to us calling daily as to what's what, what's going on as opposed to seeing it on ESPN. So just hearing it from firsthand from your player representative goes a long way. What was your biggest adjustment going from the University of Oregon to the NFL? I look at Oregon, and they've got this exciting offense. It's kind of quirky. It's not really a pro-style offense. When you got to the NFL, did that hurt you or help you? Uh, it didn't hurt me at all. I mean, if people recall, my first two years at the University of Oregon, I was pretty much the pro style like everybody wanted it with uh, Andy Ludwig and everything. Uh, so under the center was never a problem to me. It was all about repetition, about just muscle memory. So I, I think I had an advantage as far as that because I had both, both aspects, the spread and the pro. So it never hurt me at all because I always – was already in that situation before as, as a young age. What about just off-the-field stuff? You know, when you get to the NFL, here you're a college kid, you're going to school and classes, then you become a pro, you've got some money in your pocket, and life really must change dramatically, doesn't it? 
Yeah, it does. I mean, it's no homework, if you, if you will. <laughs> That's good. I have to say your homework is pretty much your playbook. So right. I, I'm always a, a student of the game. As everybody knows, I graduated early in college, so I take pride in my studying and making sure I'm on top of my thing. So once my number is called, I'll be able to perform the best I can. How big is the Steelers' playbook? Are we talking like 100 pages, 300 pages? Oh, it's huge. I mean, I, I think it grows as it <laughs> grows as well, too. So it may start off with them, maybe, and then it'll grow by, by the end of the season for sure. And then when you sit down to watch tape every week, are you doing that with coaches? Are you doing that with other quarterbacks, Ben and, and Charlie? How does that work? Uh, it varies. Uh, first, it'll probably end up being with just the quarterbacks alone. Uh, just to get their perspective. I'm always the type of person to get everybody's perspective. So it, it, it may start well off with the quarterbacks, then I'll actually get my position coach. And then I'll probably grab a couple of old linemen, you know, have to see where their head is to make sure our protections and stuff is uh, on the same page as me uh, to make sure that I, I'm taken care of by my big guys. <laughs> and then I may, you know, just to play around every once in a while, just to see a defensive, a defensive perspective, to see if we're giving anything away so, you know, the team that our opponent that we were playing, that we won't be able to do that as well. Toughest defense you faced on the field in the NFL so far? Well, the toughest defense that I faced for the most part is probably Baltimore. Haven't been on the field a lot. Um, just, just having that first opportunity, my very first start, um, it seemed like everything was going a thousand, thousand miles per hour. Everything was a rush and everything. But once you start to calm down and everything, the game became fun. But at the end of the day, when you have excellent excellent players on the other side over there, like a Ray Lewis and uh, Ed Reed, it makes things difficult to actually produce. You know, I've heard other players say that. They get to the pro level, the NFL, and the game goes a 1,000 miles an hour. What is it about the NFL that is so different than the college game that's so much faster? Uh, I, I just have to say, people are grown man. People are very, very grown man out there. Uh, it's not, it's not so much the physical because you wouldn't be there if you if you didn't have the physical aspect. It's the mental aspect of the game. Um, it's almost like a chess game. You can't win it all. You know, sometimes you got to be able to fold your hand and and uh, fight to see another day. But sometimes when you in the in the atmosphere of a college and everything, and, and all you saw was success. It's kind of hard to, you know, put a card down every once in a while. That's why you see young rookies in there forcing things, regardless of whatever position they play, because that's how they, that's what they're known for. But at the, at the end of the day, it's nothing but a big chess game. It's, the older, the wiser, the better. <laughs> Take our audience inside that chess game for a minute. So you've got a helmet on. You've got uh, a speaker in your helmet, I'm assuming, where the coaches can talk to you. If you're in an audible situation, do you get to make that audible, or are they talking to you in your in your helmet? How does that work? Oh, man, it's a whole bunch of things rushing in your head as a quarterback. Uh, not only in the college atmosphere, you need you're not so much in tune as to everything that's going on, but in the pro level, you got to understand the play. You got to understand if you have motion. You got to understand the audible if they run a certain defense. You got to look at pre snap, post snap. It's a whole bunch of stuff going on in your mind as a quarterback. And mind you, you have a play clock on your on, on your side that's probably not on your side half of the time, so you're <laughs> rushing. And then on top of that, you probably got crowd noise to where everybody can't hear you. So it's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into one play that people really don't get. But once everything starts to roll and you start to get that confidence as a quarterback, um, look out because the quarterback like that is, is very, very, very good. 
Do you feel pretty confident at this point that you're ready to be a starting quarterback in the NFL? Yes, I am. I have to say that for sure. I'm a competitor. Um, obviously, want to continue to work on my craft to make it better for sure. Um, but obviously, I feel as if I'm, I'm ready to make that initial step. Um, and I'm looking forward to that opportunity if, if it presents itself. Joined by Dennis Dixon, former Ducks standout quarterback, current Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback. Dennis, before I let you go, you know, the Ducks go to the national championship game last year against Auburn. How much do you still follow the team and stay in touch with the coaching staff? Oh, I stay with them 100%. Uh, Chip Kelly is the reason why I even had a chance to actually, you know, be a part of the NFL. So I, I pay my dues and try to keep in touch with him. Usually, probably, you know, sometimes two or three times throughout the season just to make sure things are good. Or whenever whenever we have a bye, we be able to try to get back to the actual duck game. So I try to be involved with the, with the University of Oregon at all times. How exciting is Chip Kelly's offense to play in? I mean, it looks like the most fun you can have in college football. Oh, it's great. Um, he, he, he matches your skills, and he, he pits it out there. He, he exploits it. Uh, and you have fun with it. And he brings various various ways to do that <laughs> if you will so uh he just he's just an all-around official guru uh he makes something happen at all times well and it looks like you guys have to be in such terrific shape because when i watched the ducks last year it seems like in the second half their opponents would wear down and the ducks would get stronger so i imagine the conditioning that you have to have in order to play in that type of an offense is really uh impeccable yeah i have to say that for sure sometimes it uh it surprises me how fast they go because when I was there, uh, and I was, it was not that long ago, probably four years ago, the speed that I was going at was, was relatively fast. But what they're going at right now, it's like NASCAR. It's like they die. It's, <laughs> so it's, it's even it's, faster it's, now, huh? Yes, even faster now, I would have to say for sure. Do you uh, think that offense have, would ever work in the NFL? Uh, it's tough to say. I mean, obviously, everybody has to be conditioned. Obviously, you have a grown man out there that's probably not all the way conditioned, so it'll probably work in a way, but I wouldn't say it'll work all the time, just like the option. It'll work in a way, but it won't work all the time in the NFL as well. But, uh, yeah, just to give credit to uh, to Jimmy Ratcliffe for getting everybody in shape and everybody, I mean, that's a strength coach out there in the University of Oregon. He does an excellent job making sure everybody is on their toes uh, get ready game time. Dennis, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I wish you the best of luck with the upcoming season. Uh, it's going to be a great event on Saturday, August 6th that you're doing at Tigard High School. Go to OregonFootballAssociation.org. Dennis, thanks. And just to note, I mean, as of right now, I might either be a coach or I might be an all-time QB. So it'll probably be something very interesting to see. And also afterwards, it'll be an after party on deck. It's downtown in the Pearl. I think it's on 12th, and I forget what, but I, I guess you can guys can locate that, and it starts at 8 o'clock. 14th and Lovejoy is on deck, so that's where the, the after party's going on, you're saying? Yes. Okay. Great information. Again, best of luck this upcoming season. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter, twitter.com slash SBRadio. I turn the music up, I got my records on, I shut the world outside until the lights come on. Maybe the streets are light, maybe the trees are gone. I feel my heart stop beating to my favorite song.
Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. And welcome back. I hope you enjoyed today's Best of SBR show, and thanks for listening. A reminder, you can download this show on demand via podcast at our website, sportsbusinessradio.com. You'll also see icons there to become our Facebook fan and to follow us on Twitter at SB Radio. All kinds of stuff at sportsbusinessradio.com. You can go back to past interviews as well. So check it out, sportsbusinessradio.com. Also, you can fill out a survey on the website and let us know more about you and where you listen to the show. You'll have a chance to win a segment on a future SBR show. Pretty cool. You can sit right here in the studio and uh, have a segment to promote your business. I want to thank our show staff, Doug Zanger, Jared Meltzer, Josh Blanks, Darren Peck, Ron Bard, James Harris. Brian and myself will be back next week with an all-new show of Sports Business Radio. Have a great day and a great weekend, and thanks for listening to Sports Business Radio. Met a girl in the parking lot, and all I did was say hello. Her pepper spray made it rather hard for me to walk her home, but I guess that's the way it goes. It's the age of new media and citizen journalism. Everyone with a smartphone and a flip cam is a reporter and everything is on the record. I'm Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, and I team with former Nike executive Lee Weinstein to form media training company Everything is on the Record. With a combined 40 years of experience dealing with the media and helping our clients craft authentic messages, we'll help you navigate the tricky media landscape that exists today. Everything is on the Record has provided media training to pro and college athletes, coaches and executives, as well as to government leaders and CEOs. We'll teach you how to break through the clutter with your messages and we'll also assist you when you find yourself in crises. It's time for an innovative new approach to media training that best fits the world we live in today. For more information about Everything is on the Record, visit us online at everythingisontherecord.com. Contact us today to learn more about our innovative approach to media training and how we can meet your specific needs. 
Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at everythingisontherecord.com.